0: The last chapter of the series of unfortunate events. Book the twelfth, the penultimate peril. Are you excited, Peyton? Are you excited? hmm Ooh, this page is cool. Look, it's, um, look, it's mirror, mirror image. It looks like it's like the, um, the lake or the pond or whatever that is. Okay. Chapter 13. Ha, Count Olaf's, Count Olaf crowed. This takes the cake. He was using an expression, which means I find this especially amusing and outrageous. Although Dewey Denouement's underwater catalog contained a list of 27 cakes that Olaf had stolen, with a look of treacherous g- glee, he reached down and patted Sonny Baudelaire on the head, using the hand that wasn't clutching the harpoon. After all this time, the littlest orphan wants to follow in my footsteps, he cried. I knew I was a good guardian after all. You're not a good guardian, Violet said, and Sonny's not an arson. Arsonist, my sister doesn't know what she's saying. Burn down the hotel, Sonny insisted. Are you feeling all right, Sonny, Klaus said, and... Peering into his sister's eyes, he was worried that the medusoid mycelium, which had threatened his, the life of his younger sister, Baudelaire, the youngest Baudelaire just days ago, was affecting her in some sinister way. Klaus had researched a way to dilute the treacherous fungus, but he wondered now if the dilution was not enough. "'I feel fine,' Sunny said. "'Burned-down hotel.' that's my girl Olaf cried I only wish Carmelita had your spunk with all the errands I had her do but burning down this hotel hadn't even occurred to me but even when you're very busy you should always take time for your hobbies your hobbies Justice Strauss said are nothing but villainy Count Olaf the Baudelaire's may may want to join your wickedness but I'll do anything in my powers to stop you there's nothing in your power, Olaf sneered. Your fellow judge comp- judges are comrades of mine. Your fellow volunteers are running around in the lobby of this hotel wearing blindfolds, and I have a harpoon gun. I have a comprehensive history of justice, Tr- Justice Strauss said, and this book should be good for something. The villain did not continue his argument, but merely pointed the weapon at the judge. You orphans will set fire to... to set by her here in the laundry room he said well i make sure justice doesn't stop us yes sir sunny said and reached for her siblings hand no justice Drauss cried what are you doing this sunny violet asked her sister you're going to hurt innocent people why are you helping count olaf burn down this building klaus cried sunny looked at the laundry room and then looked up at her siblings in silence in silence she shook her head as if as if this were not the time to discuss such matters. Help me, she said, and she did not have to say anything more. Although Violet and Klaus found their sister's actions unfathomable, they followed her into the laundry room as Olaf had uttered a succulent laugh of triumph. Ha! Count Olaf cried. Pay attention, orphans, and I'll teach you some of my best tricks. First, spread those dirty sheets all over the floor and take those jugs of extremely flammable chemical chemicals and pour them all over the sheets. In silence, Violet spread the rest of the sheets on the, laundry, of the over the laundry room floor. And when Klaus and Sunny walked over to the plastic jugs, opened them and spilled them all over the sheets. A strong bitter smell wafted from the library room as the children turned to Olaf and asked what was next. What's next? Sunny asked. Next is a match of some ens- and some kindling," Olaf replied, and reached into his pocket with a hand that wasn't holding the gun. "I always carry matches in my person, on my person," he said, just as my enemies always carry kindling. He looked, for- he leaned forward and snatched an idiot's lusting after finance out of Justice Strauss's hand. "This book is good for something," he said, and tossed it into the center of the dirty sheets narrowly missing the siblings as they walked into the hallway. Jerome Squalor's book opened as it landed and the four children saw that it looked like a creative, a carefully drawing of a diagram with arrows and dotted lines and paragraphs of notations. Underneath, wait, is that right? Did I skip a page? No. Underneath, the Baudelaire's leaned forward to see what they could read, what injustice had experienced writing and caught only one word passageway before olaf lit the match and tossed it expertly to the page the paper caught fire at once and the book began to burn oh Sunny said quietly and learned and leaned leaned against her siblings all three baudelaires and adults standing with them stared into the room laundry room in silence the burning book is sad The, the burning of a book is sad A sad, sad sight, for even though a book is nothing but ink and paper, it feels like the ideas contained in the book are disappearing as the pages turn to ashes and cover the building, which is the term for the stitching and the glue that holds the pages together. Blacken and curl as the flames do their wicked dance. When someone is burning a book, they're also showing utter contempt for all the things all of the thinking that produced these ideas and all of the labor that went into its words and sentences and all of the trouble that befell the author from the swarm of termites that tried to destroy his notes to the large boulder that some rolled into the illustrator as he sat by the edge of the pond waiting for the delivery of the manuscript justice strauss gazed at the book with a shocked frown perhaps thinking of jerome squalor's research and all of the villain in all of the villains it might have brought to justice stout to the justice to all of the villains it might have brought to justice count Olaf stared at the book with a smug smile perhaps thinking of all of the other liberties he had destroyed but you and I know that there is no perhaps when it uh, about what the Baudelaire orphans were thinking as they stared at the flames devouring the comprehensive history of injustice Violet, Klaus, and Sunny were thinking of the fire that took over their parents and their home and dropped them into a word here for the, to fend the, for themselves, a phrase here which means go from guardian to guardian and then from desperate situation to desperate situation trying to survive and solve the mysteries that hung over their heads like smoke. The Baudelaire orphans were thinking of the first fire that came into their lives and wondering if that one would be the last we better get away from here, Count Olaf said, breaking the silence. In my experience, once the flames reach the chemicals, uh, the fire will spread very quickly. The spot fire will spread very quickly. What did it? I just lost my spot. Me. Oh, I'm afraid the cocktail party has been canceled. But if we hurry, there's still time to infect the guests of this hotel with the medusoid mycelium before we escape. Ha! To the elevators! Twirling the harpoon gun in his hands, the villain strode down the hallway, dragging the judge as he went, and the Baudelaire's hurried to follow. When they reached the elevator, the children looked at a sign posted near one of ornamental vases. The sign was so identical to the post of the lo- in the lobby... And it was a sign you've probably seen yourself. In case of fire, it says in fancy script, use the stairs. Do not use the elevator. Stairs, Sunny said, pointing at the sign. Ignored that, Olaf said scornfully, punching the button to summon the elevator. Dangerous, Sunny pointed out. Take the stairs. You may have led the have had the idea to burn the hotel down, Count Olaf said. But I'm still but I'm still the boss, baby. We can't get to the fungus in time if we take the stairs. We're taking the elevator. Rat Sunny said quietly and frowned in thought. Violet and Klaus looked at their sister curiously, wondering why the children who didn't mind setting the hotel, setting the hotel on fire would be upset over something like an elevator. But then Sunny gazed up at her siblings with a sly smile and uttered one word that made everything clear. "'Preludo,' she said. And after a moment, the siblings grinned. "'What?' Olaf said sharply and punched in the button over and over again, which never helps." What my sister means, Violet said, is that she appreciates the lesson in setting fires, but that is not what the youngest Baudelaire meant. Come on. Meant at all by preludo. Her siblings knew meant that Sunny was referring to the hotel preludo and Ludio Preludio, sorry. And Preludio, Preludio, Meh. and the weekend vacation that the entire Baudelaire family had spent there. As Kit Snicket had mentioned, the Hotel Preludio was a lovely place, and I am happy to report that this is still standing. And like a small mercy, that is a ballroom that. Its ballroom has still famous chandeliers, which are shaped like enormous jellyfish that move up and down in time to the music that the orchestra plays, and that the bookstore and the lobby still specializes in the work of American novelists and the realist's realist school and the outdoor swimming pool is still as beautiful as it ever is and it's reflection of the hotel windows shimmering whenever anyone dives into the swimming dives into swim laps but the Baudelaire orphans were not remembering the chandelier chandeliers or the bookstore or even the swimming pools where Sonny first learned to blow bubbles when they were remembering the prank that their father had taught them when he was in one of his whimsical moods that can be played in any elevator the prank a word here which means a joke played on someone with whom you are sharing an elevator is best played at the moment that you're about to get off of the elevator and follow your passengers and the and your fellow passengers are heading to a higher story. The Baudelaire's mother had objected to their father teaching them such a, such a prank as she said it was indignified, but their father had pointed out that there was it was no more undignified than doing magic tricks with dinner rolls which their mother had done that very morning in a hotel restaurant that she reluctantly agreed to participate in the prank. This particular moment in the Baudelaire's lives, of course, was not the best of, best one for a prank, and Violet and Klaus saw immediately what their sister had in mind, and when the sliding doors opened and Count Olaf stomped inside the elevator, the three Baudelaire's followed, them and, followed him and immediately processed every single button. But when the Baudelaire's father had done this, that had done this after done this it after exiting the elevator it meant that remaining passenger a tiresome woman named Eleonora had been forced to sit to visit every story on the every story on the way down from her hotel room but here in the hotel denouement the prank reserved a dual purpose a phrase here which means enabled the Baudelaire's to do two things at once "'What are you doing?' Olaf shrieked. "'I'll never reach the medusad mycelium in time "'to poison everyone. "'We'll, we'll be able to warn as many people as, as possible "'that the building is on fire,' Justice Strauss cried. "'Mm-hmm. "'Dual purpose,' Sunny said, "'and shared a small smile with her siblings "'as the elevator door reached the lobby "'and opened the doors. "'The emor- enormous domed room was nearly empty, "'and the Baudelaires could see "'that everyone had followed the advice "'of the two wicked judges.' <gasps> <laughs> on the high court and were wandering around blindfolded wandering blindfolded around the hotel. Fire cried Violet immediately, knowing that the doors would shut in an instant. Attention everyone, there's a fire in the hotel. Please leave it at once. The man with the beard but no hair was standing nearby and his hand on Jerome Squalor's shoulder so he could push the injustice expert around. Fire, he said, his strange hoarse voice Good work, Olaf. What do you mean good work, demanded Jerome, a frown appearing below his fold. I meant to say, there's Olaf, the man said, hurriedly pushing Jerome to the elevator, to the direction of the elevator. Capture him. He needs to be brought to the authorities. Olaf is here, asked probably Frank, who was feeling his way along the wall of his brother. I'm going to capture him. Where... Where the where are the Baudelaires? Demanded probably Ernest. I'm going to capture them. I'm in the elevator. Or in the elevator, a woman shouted with hair but no beard from across the lobby. But the sliding doors were already closing. Call the fire department! Violet cried desperately. Which one? Was the reply. But the children could not tell if it came from Frank or Ernest. And the door slid shut. Once the glimpse of the villains and the volunteers before the elevator doors, could, before the elevators began to rise to the second story. "'Those judges promised that if we'd waited until tomorrow "'that I'd see my enemies destroyed,' Count Olaf grumbled. "'And now they're trying to capture me. "'I knew they'd fail me someday.' "'The Baudelaire's did not have time to point out "'that Count Olaf had failed the judges "'by planning to poison them "'along with everyone else in the lobby "'with the med- medusoid mycelium "'because the elevator immediately stopped "'on the second story and the doors open. "'There's a fire in the hotel,' Klaus cried into the hallway. "'Everyone leave at once.' A fire, as May Squaller said. The Baudelaires were surprised to see that the treacherous woman was still wearing her blindfold. And perhaps she had decided that that pieces of the black cloth were in Who said that? It's Klaus Baudelaire, Klaus Baudelaire said. You you need to get out of the hotel. Don't listen to that cake sniffer, cried Carmelita Spatz, who was running with her with one hand over the ornamental vase. He's just trying to escape from us. Take let's take off our blindfolds and peek. Don't take off your blindfold. Vi- ba- oh my god, don't take off your blindfolds, cried Olaf. The bottlers are guilty of contempt of court and they're trying to trick you into joining them. There's no fire. Whatever you do, don't leave the hotel. We're not tricking you, Klaus said. Olaf is tricking you. Please believe us. I don't know who to believe, Esme said scornfully. You orphans are as dishonest as my ex-boyfriend. Leave us alone, Carmelita ordered. Bumping into a wall. We can find our own way. The door slid shut before the Baudelaire's could argue any further, and the children never argued never argued with either an unpleasant female again. And the moment that the elevator arrived to the third story, Sunny raised her voice so that she could be heard by anyone, treacherous or noble in the hallway. Fire she cried, use the stairs, do not use elevator. Sunny Baudelaire, the Mister Poe called, recognizing the child's voice. The banker was facing the entirely wrong direction and holding out a white handkerchief up to his black blindfold. Don't add false reporting to the of fire to your list of crimes. You're getting guilty of contempt of court and perhaps murder. It is not false, Justice Strauss exclaimed. There is really a fire, Mister Poe. Leave this hotel. I can't leave, mister Poe replied, coughing into his handkerchief. I'm still in charge of the Baudelaire's affairs and their parents. For the elevator door closed before mister Poe before mister Poe could finish his word until the Baudelaire's were until the Bo, and the Baudelaires sorry and the Baudelaires were taken away from the banker one last time, and with each step of the elevator, I'm sorry to say that it was more or less the same. The Baudelaire saw Mrs. Bass. Is it Mr. Bass or Mrs. Bass, Peyton? Do you remember if it's Mrs. Bass or Mrs. Bass? Pepe, mm-hmm. is it Mrs. Bass or Mrs. Mm-hmm. You don't remember. Okay. Um, on the third story, still wearing her small blonde wig like a snow cap on top of the mountain peak, and still in her blindfold stretched over her small narrow mask, and they saw Mr. Ramirez, who was wondering. Around the seventh floor, with Vice- Principal Nero, they saw Geraldine Julian, who was wearing her microphone the way some blind people use a cane, and saw the justice oh, saw Charles and Sir, who were holding hands so that no one not to lose one another and they saw Hugo and Colette and Kevin, who were holding the bird paper claws had hung outside the window and the of the sauna and they saw Mr. Lesko arguing with Mrs. Morrow, and they saw a man with a guitar making friends with a woman in a crow-shaped hat and they saw people they didn't recognize as volunteers or as villains who were wandering around the hallways of the hotel to capture anyone that they might find suspicious. Some of these people believed the Baudelaire's when they told them the news of the fire and some of the people believed Count Olaf when he told them that the Baudelaire's were lying and some of these people believed Justice Strauss when she told them that Count Olaf was lying and said that the Baudelaire's were lying when they told the news of the fire. What? So so Justice Strauss said that they were both lying? Okay, whatever. The elevator, but the elevators stopped on each story of the hotel was very, <gasps> it was very brief. And the children had only one glimpse of each of these people. They heard Mrs. Mrs. Bass murder, Bass, Bass, I don't freaking know. Mrs. Bass murder something about getting, a getaway car, and they heard Mister Romero wondering about uh, fried bananas. They heard Mister Nero worrying about his violin case, and Geraldine squeal about the headlines. And they heard Charles and Sir bicker over whether or not the fires were good for lumber and for the lumber industry. They heard Hugo ask. They heard Hugo ask if the plan for the hors, hors d'oeuvres was still opera- in operation. And then they heard Clit asking about the plucking of the feathers of the crows. And then they heard Kevin complain about how he didn't know whether to hold the bird paper in his right hand or left. And then they heard Mr. Lesko insult Mrs. Morrow. And then the bearded man sing a song to the woman with the crow hat. And then they heard a man call for Bruce and a woman call for their mother. And dozens of people whisper and shout out, Are you with argue and agree upon with each other, angrily and accuse meekly defend, furiously compliment and kindly insult dozens of other people, both inside and outside the hotel denouement, whose names the Baudelaire's had not recognized, forgot, and had never heard of before. Each story had its own story, and each story's story was unfathomable in the Baudelaire's orphan's short journey, and made of stories made of stories stories that are unfathomable to me even after all of these lonely years and all of this lonely research perhaps some of these stories are clearer to you because you have spied on the people involved perhaps mrs bass changed her name to and lives near you or mr romera changed his names changed his name and perhaps and perhaps Nero's working at the grocery store as a clerk, or Geraldine is now teaching arts and crafts. Perhaps Charles and Sir are no longer partners and you have have had that occasion to study. One of them as they sat across from you in a bus, or perhaps Hugo, Colette, and Kevin are still comrades and you have followed these unfathomable people after noticing that one of them used, uses both hands equally. Perhaps Mr. Lesko is your neighbor, and Mrs. Morrow is your sister, and or your mother, or your aunt, or your wife, or even your husband. Perhaps the noise you hear outside is is the bearded man trying to climb your window, or perhaps the woman in a crow-shaped hat hailing taxi hailing a taxicab. Perhaps you have spotted the managers of the Hotel Denouement, or the judges of a high court, or the waiters of a cafe waiters of Cafe Salmonella, or the anxious clown, or perhaps you have met an expert in. On injustice, or become become one yourself. Perhaps the people in your unfathomable life and their unfathomable stories are clear to you as you make your way to the world. But when the doors of the elevator stopped for the last time, the door slid open to reveal the tilted roof of the Hotel de and the Baudelaires had felt as if they were balancing very delicately on a mysterious and perplexing heap of unfathomable mysteries. They didn't know who would survive the fire and who and they had helped that they had helped set who would perish who and who would perish they didn't know who thought that they were volunteers and who thought that they were villains or who believed that they were innocent and who believed that they were guilty and they did not know if their own observations errands and deeds meant that they were noble or wicked or somewhere in between as they stepped out of the elevator and walked across the rooftop sunbathing salon the Baudelaire orphans felt as if their lives were like a book filled with the crucial information that had been set aflame in this comprehensive story of injustice. And now was just ash that was just ashes and a fire growing more and more enormous by the second. Look, cried count Olaf leaning over the edge of the hotel, pointing downward. The Votelers looked expecting to see an enormous calm surface of the pond reflecting the hotel denouement back at them like an, an enormous mirror, but the air was stained with pitches of thick black smoke that poured out of the basement windows and the fire began to spread and the surface of the pond looked like serious series of tiny mirrors each broken into strange and fathomable shapes here and there among the smoke and mirrors the children could see tiny figures running this way and that and they could not tell if the people were authorities on the ground or people running out to escape the fires of the blaze of the from the blaze Olaf continued to gaze down, and the Baudelaires could not tell if he looked pleased or disappointed. "Thanks to you, orphans," he said. "It's too late to destroy everyone with the medusoid mycelium, but at least we get to start the fire." Justice Strauss was still gazing at the smoke pouring from the windows and rising to the sky, and her expression was equally unfathomable. "Thank you, orphans," she said, quietly to the Baudelaires. "This hotel would be just des- this hotel will be destroyed by the fire." but at least we stopped Olaf from releasing the fungus. The fire isn't burning very quickly, Olaf said. The people, many people will escape. The fire isn't burning slowly either, Justice Strauss said. Some people won't. The Bodle of Orphans looked at one another, but before anyone could say anything further, the entire building trembled and the children had to struggle to keep their balance on the tilted roof. Then the, oh, the sun, the shiny sunbathing mats tumbled across the, the salon and the water and the swimming pool splashed against the side of the large wooden boat dampening the figurehead of the octopus attacking a man in a diving suit the fire is weakening the structural foundation of the building violet said we have to get out of here Klaus said pronto sonny said without another word the boatlers turned to the adults and strode quickly towards the boat shifting the pile of sheets in one hand violet took her took off her concierge hat and reached into her pocket and found a ribbon that Kat Snicket had given her, which she used to tie up her hair. Klaus reached into his pocket and found a commonplace, his commonplace book, which he began to flip through, and Sunny did not reach into her pocket, but she scraped her teeth together thoughtfully <sighs> as she suspected they, they might be needed. Violet stared critically at the boat. I'll attach the drag chute to the figurehead," she said. "I should be able to tie a devil's tongue knot around the helmet of the diver," said, so, of the diver. She paused for a moment. "That's where the medusoid mycelium is hidden," she said. Count Olaf kept it there, where no one would think of looking. Klaus started to. Cri- stared critically at his notes i'll angle the sail to catch the wind he said otherwise a heavy object like this might fall straight down into the water he paused for a moment too that's what happened to the sugar bowl he said dewy denouement let everyone think that it had fallen into the laundry room so no one could find it in the pond spatulas as oars and said pointing to the implements that hugo had used to flip over the sunbather. good idea violet agreed and gazed onto the gray troublesome water of the sea maybe our friends will find us hector said Or maybe her friends will find us. Hector should be flying this way with Kit Snicket and the Quagmires. And Fiona. And Fiona, Klaus added. No, Sunny said. What do you mean, Violet asked, stepping carefully up the edge. Kept stepping carefully from the edge of the pole onto the side of the boat, where she began to climb up a rope to the figurehead. They said that they would arrive by Thursday, Klaus said, helping Sunny climb aboard, then stepping onto the boat himself. The deck was about the size of a large mattress, big enough to hold the Baudelaire's and perhaps one or two more passengers. It's Wednesday afternoon. The fire, Sunny said, and pointed to the smoke as it rose towards the sky. The two older Baudelaire's gasped, and they almost had forgotten that Kit had told him that she would be watching the skies, looking for signals that would cancel Thursday's gathering. That's what you, That's why you s- thought of, the light, of lighting a fire, Violet said, hurriedly and tying the sheets around the figurehead. It's a signal. VFD will see it, Klaus said, and now all of their hopes have gone up in smoke. Sunny nodded. The last safe place, she said, is safe no more. And it was, it was an impressive sentence for the youngest butler to say, but a sad one. Maybe your friends will find us anyways, Violet said. They might be able to do the last no, to, they might be the last noble people we know. And if they're truly noble, Klaus said, they might not want to be our friends. Violet, Violet, nodded and her eyes filled with tears you're right she admitted we killed a man accident sunny said firmly and burned a hotel down klaus said well we had good reason we had good reason violet said but we still did bad things we want to be noble klaus said but we have we have had to be treacherous noble enough sunny said but the building trembled again as if shaking its head in disagreement violet hung her head to the figure to the figurehead and Klaus and Sonny hung their head to each other as the boat bumped against the sides of the swimming pool. Help us, Violet cried, to the adults who were still staring at the rising smoke. Grab those spatulas and push the boat down to the edge of the roof. Don't boss me around, Olaf growled. But he followed the judges, followed the judge to the corner of the roof where the spatulas lie. The mirrored reflections on that afternoon sun and the sky and its darkness with the smoke each adult grabbed one spatula and poked the boat in the way that you might poke a spider if you're trying to get it out of your bathtub. Bump, bump. The, the sailboat bumped against the edges of the pool and then jostled it out of the pool. Huh, okay, Where it slowly slid with a loud scraping sound to the far edge of the roof. The boat hung on tightly as if the, the front half of the boat kept sliding across the mirrors of the of this. Shalon of the salon until it was hanging over nothing but the smoky air. The boat tipped this way and that and in a delicate balance between the roof and the hotel and the sea below. Climb aboard, Violet cried, giving her her knots one last tug. Of course I'll climb aboard, Olaf announced, dragging his eyes to the helmet of the figurehead. I'm the captain of this boat, he said, and threw a spatula to the deck, narrowly missing Klaus and Sunny and then bounding to the ship to make... "'making it teeter wildly on the edge of the building. "'You too, Justice Strauss,' Klaus, Klaus called. "'But the judge just put down her spatula "'and looked sadly at the children. "'No,' she said to the children, "'and she, they could see she was crying. "'I won't go. It's not right. "'What else can we do?' Sunny said, "'but Justice Strauss just shook her head. "'I won't run from the scene of a crime,' she said. "'You children should come with me, "'and we can explain everything to the authorities.' They might not believe us, Violet said, readying the drag chute. or there might be enemies lurking in their ranks, just like the villains of the high court, perhaps the judge said, but that's no excuse for running away. Count Olaf gave his former neighbor a scornful look and then turned to the Baudelaire's, let her burn to a crisp if she wants, he said, but it's time for us to go. Justice Strauss took a deep breath and then stepped forward and put her hands on the hideous wooden carving, as if she meant to drag the whole boat back into the hotel. There are people who say that criminal behavior is a destiny of children from a broken home, she said through her tears. Don't make this your destiny, Baudelaire. Klaus stood at the mast, adjusting, adjusting the controls of the sail. This boat, he said, is the only home we have. I've been following you all this time, she said, her grip tightening on the figurehead. You've always been just out of my grasp. From the moment Mister Poe came, came and took you away from the theater in the car, to the moment that cats, the cat Kit Snicket took you through the hedges of her taxi, I won't let you go, Baudelaires. Sunny stepped towards the judge, and for one moment, her siblings thought that she was going to step off the boat, but she merely looked at the judge's weeping eyes and gave her a very sad smile. Goodbye, she said, and the Baudelaires opened, and and the Baudelaire opened her mouth with a bit of a bit of the hand of justice with a cry of pain and frustration. Justice Strauss let go of the figurehead and the building trembled once again, sending the judge tumbling to the ground and the boat tumbling off the roof, just as the clock of the hotel denouement and announced the hour for the very last time. Wrong, wrong, wrong. The clock struck three, the clock struck three times and three Baudelaire screamed as they hurtled towards the sea and even Count Olaf cried, Mommy, as it seemed for a terrible moment that their luck had run out at last and the boat would not survive the fall due to the force of gravity. But then Violet let go of the dirty sheets and the drag drag chute billowed into the air looking almost like another patch of smoke against the sky and Klaus moved the sail to catch the wind and the boat stopped falling and started to glide the way a bird will catch the wind and rest its wings for a few moments, particularly if it's tired from carrying something heavy and important. For a moment the boat floated away through the air like something in a magical story. Even if they're even in the panic and the fear of the Baudelaire's could not help marveling in the way that that is that they were escaping. Finally, with a mighty splash, the boat landed in the ocean, quite a distance from the burning hotel. For another terrible moment, it felt like the boat was just going to sink into the water, just as dewey denouement had sunk into into the pond, guarding his underwater catalog and its secrets, and leaving the woman he loved pregnant and distraught. Oh, what? Okay. But the sail caught the wind, and the figurehead righted itself, and Olaf picked up his spatula and handed it to Sunny. "'Start rowing,' he ordered. "'And then he began to cackle, his eyes shining bright. "'You may be, you're in my clutches at last, orphans,' he said, "'and we're all in the same boat.' "'The Baudelaire's looked at the orphans and when and then at the shore. "'For a moment, they were tempted to jump overboard "'and swim back towards the city, away from Olaf. "'But when they looked at the smoke "'pouring from the windows of the hotel "'and the flames curling around the lilies "'and the moss that someone had grown in such care on the walls,' They knew that it would be dangerous on land. They could see the figures of the people standing outside the hotel, fiercely pointing towards the sea, and they saw the terrible building, uh, the building tremble. It seemed that the hotel denouement would soon be sent toppling to, and then the children would be far away. Dewey had promised them that it wouldn't, that they wouldn't be at sea anymore, but at this moment, the sea for the Baudelaires was the last safe place. Richard Wright, an American novelist of the realist school, asked a famous, unfathomable question known known in his best-known novel, The Native Son. Who knows when some slight shock, he asked, disturbing the delicate balance between social order and the thirsty aspiration, shall send the skies to scrape the skyscrapers in our sitting cities toppling. It is a difficult question to read, almost as if as if it is in some sort of code. But after much research, I have been able to make sense of the mysterious words. Social order, for instance, is a phrase here which may refer to the system people use to organize their lives, such as the Dewey Decimal System or the blindfolded procedures of the high court. And thirsty aspiration is a phrase here which may refer to things that people want such as the Baudelaire's fortune or the sugar bowl or a safe place that lonely and exhausted orphans can call home. So when Mr. Wright asked his question he might be wondering if a small event such as a stone stopping the pond can cause a ripple in the ripples in the uh, ripples in the system of the world and trembling and trembling the things that people want want until this rippling and trembling brings down something enormous as a building. The Baudelaires, of course, did not copy of the native did not have a copy of the native sun in the wooden boat that served as their new home, but as they gazed across the waters of the Hotel Denouement, they were asking themselves a the question, not unlike mister Wright's Violet, Klaus, and Sunny wondered about all of these things, large and small, that they had done. They wondered about their observations as flaneurs, which had left many mysteries unsolved. They had wondered about their errands as concierge, which had brought them so much trouble, and they had wondered if were they still the noble volunteers they wanted to be, or if the fire made them as wicked made them well, fire made its wicked way through the hotel and the building threatened to topple was their destiny to become something else the Baudelaire orphans stood in the same boat as Count Olaf the notorious villain and looked out out at the sea as they hoped they could find their noble friends and wondered what else they could do and who who they might become oh that's it okay that's it Peyton it is time to wake up you didn't even listen good thing she's already had all these stories actually i don't know if she's read the books i know if she's watched the movies have you read these books before pepe mm. just watched the movies yeah okay alright well end of end of um book 12 cool